So how often do you find yourself blocked as to your story? And by that, I mean, there's any part of your story that you can't figure out or you can't seem to finish. So maybe you have the beginning, but not the end, or you know the beginning and end, but you can't fill out the middle. Or maybe it's just a matter of, you know, most things, but you just can't figure out what comes next to get the characters from A to B. I've also had people telling me that they know the big events of the story, but they're having a hard time filling in the transitions. All of that is a form of block. How often does that happen to you? Um, I want to talk today about what writer's block actually is, like what it isn't, (laughs) and what it actually is, because it's probably not what you think it is. In a lot of ways, writer's block is an old wives' tale, and that's not to say that it doesn't exist. All of these problems I just mentioned are real, but again, writer's block probably isn't what you think it is, and if you understand what it really is and how to work through it, then things are going to become a lot easier in your writing. So we're going to talk about that today. We're going to do a deep dive. Stay tuned. Hey there, aspiring fiction author. Do you dream of writing fiction that connects with readers and makes you money? Do you struggle to finish your manuscripts, dealing with indecision as to the plot or all-out writer's block? Are you sick of feeling that each time you write and publish a book, you're rolling the dice as to how the book will be received and how much money, if any, you'll make? Tired of hearing that marketing is a game of luck and testing and hopefully one day it will all come together for you. So you either give up amassing a file full of half-finished manuscripts and stop marketing all together because nothing seems to be working, or you push through feeling constantly uncertain and wondering how on earth the top-selling authors on Amazon are doing it. There is a way to simplify and streamline, a step-by-step process you can follow so you can finish your books with confidence, know your marketing will get results, and build a fiction business that sustains you. Hi, I'm Liesl, fiction coach, Christian manifestation enthusiast, and USA Today best-selling author. Want to steal all my secrets? Grab a pen and paper and put on your comfy slippers, because I'm about to teach you fiction writing and marketing secrets not being taught in the fiction author space, and those secrets will make all the difference in your fiction author success. Let's dive right in. Okay, so in terms of writer's block, something that's kind of interesting that I was thinking about this week is that block isn't just about knowing what to write. When I was a kid, that was the way that writer's block was uh, explained to me, is that writers would go, you know, weeks or months without having any ideas and not knowing what to write about. And maybe that was true once, once upon a time, or maybe that is true of some writers, but Today, with all of the information we have at our fingertips, I meet very few writers who don't have any ideas for stories. For the most part, they have tons of ideas, right? Block comes more when you can't finish a story for any variety of reasons, okay? You have plenty of ideas. Maybe you even zero in on a particular idea for a story, but you're just having a hard time fleshing it out and following through to finish that manuscript, okay? So again, you either can't figure out the beginning or the ending or what comes next or how to fill in the middle. As I said in the intro, I kind of think writer's block is an old wives' tale. So let's talk about that for a minute. First of all, what is an old wives' tale? Just so that we're all on the same page. An old wives' tale is, really, it's going to fall into one of two categories. It's either something that did truly used to be true, and that's where the belief comes from, or it's something that was really never true, but people just once believed that, and the belief persists. So, um, 
I was trying to come up with an example of something that was never true. So maybe something like um, old school medicine where they used to bleed people because they believed that by opening someone's veins, they would release the evil spirits that were making them sick. Okay. Yeah, that was never true. <laughs> that was never, um, and, and I don't mean from a spiritual sense. I mean, that's going to be, a, you know, a, a personal belief, but bleeding someone was never going to help them get better. All it, you know, we, we understand that now. Draining someone of blood just weakens them. And if anything, it's going to make them sicker. And they probably killed a lot of people doing that. So um, that was something that was never true. And, you know, I, I don't even know if most people would consider that an old wives tale. It was more like Western medicine in its infancy that didn't know what the hell it was doing. Um, but I'm just, you know, using that as an example. But let me give you an example of an old wives tale that actually does persist today and is based on something that was once true. So years ago, I started to hear people say that pregnant women could not eat sliced deli meat because it would make them uh, miscarry. And I thought that was the weirdest thing I had ever heard. I was going, okay, what is the basis for that? Like, I'm a little bit like Hermione. Um, I actually, I don't have the, the questioner tendency necessarily, but I'm like Hermione in that I'm just highly logical. So I, if I can understand the why behind something, then I can usually get behind it. But I would ask people and I would be like, well, what do you, what do you mean? Why couldn't pregnant women eat sliced deli meat? Like that doesn't make any sense to me. And most of them couldn't tell me why they just, oh, well, they just can't. It makes them miscarry. And I was like, no, 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 no. That doesn't make any sense. Why would sliced deli meat make them miscarry? Well, other kinds of meats don't. And, you know, this is assuming that the woman in question doesn't have something unique to her, like a like an allergy to it or something, you know. But just in general, why would that happen? So when I couldn't find an answer, I went to the internet, I went to my phone, and I figured out what it was. And the answer was that long time ago, before the FDA and food regulations, before, you know, Upton Sinclair's The Jungle and all of that, um, Butchers, they did have big machines for slicing meat, much like they do now, although I'm sure they were older versions back then. And they just didn't know much about foodborne illness, right? So they would slice raw meat on these um, big slicers, and then they would use the same slicer to slice the cooked meat. And so, as you can imagine, if those machines are not sanitized, the foodborne pathogens, you know, the bacteria, the E. coli, things like that are going to get onto the cooked meat. Now, people don't like to hear this, but most of us do eat those kinds of pathogens all the time. It's, it's kind of a misconception that we never eat them. It's just when they are bad enough to actually make us sick that there becomes a problem. And, you know, if they're bad enough, it becomes an outbreak or something because so many people eat it and get sick. But for the most part, when we do eat those in really small amounts, our body can just handle it and take care of it, you know. Um, but the problem is that those kinds of pathogens, I'm not even sure exactly which ones, but the kinds of bacteria you would get from uncooked meat, they do attack a fetus because when uh, a woman's body is trying to, you know, fight off those pathogens, it may very well vacate the pregnancy in order to, <clears throat> excuse me, to heal and protect the body in general. Okay, so it actually was true that there were a lot of women at the time who would eat sliced deli meat and then miscarry because those pathogens were getting into their body. Sometimes they made the woman sick, sometimes they didn't, but it did attack the fetus in order to preserve the woman's body at large because our bodies, our immune systems are built that way to preserve us at all costs, right? So that actually did come from something that was true at the time. Now, it's not true anymore. It hasn't been true in 30, 40 years, you know, because now we do have FDA regulations and we do have um, people who understand that and they clean their slicers. And, you know, most of the deli meat we get, at least here in the U.S., is prepackaged and it's been 
tested and tested and tested to make sure that it's safe. So there are plenty of pregnant women today who eat deli meat and it's not a problem. Of course, there's always, you know, the vague possibility of getting food poisoning from anything that spoils, but you don't have to stay away from deli meat just because you're pregnant. Okay. So that is an old wives tale. It used to be true. It is not true anymore, but to this day, <laughs> there are a lot of people who are very educated who repeat that. Like I have them say that to me with a straight face and I'm just going, that, that doesn't make sense. You know? <laughs> okay. So that's what an old wives tale is. And sorry, a little bit of a, little bit of a departure here, but Back to writer's block. I really believe that writer's block in a lot of ways is an old wives tale. Um, it's a little bit of a combination of the two different categories, okay? It does come from something that is true or has been true in the past because people really do get blocked. So it's a real thing. But at the same time, it was never true in that it was never what people thought it was, right? It was just a matter of ignorance and them not knowing how to battle writer's block. So it's, it's kind of a combination. So let's talk about what writer's block isn't. Most people see writer's block as something that they can't control. Um, they're not smart enough, they're not special enough, they're not creative enough, and they get blocked, right? And they just feel like it's a, a failing on their part that they can't seem to get their story finished. And nothing could be further from the truth, okay? It's not really even a matter of not being disciplined enough. Like, you could make an argument for that, but only in the sense that if you're disciplined enough to keep at it, I think eventually you'll work through your block. But again, it doesn't really have a whole lot to do with discipline, okay? Because somebody could be super disciplined and possibly never work through that block, you know? So it, it could go either way, which means that discipline is not the deciding factor. So if it's not any of those things, then what is it? Well, contrary to popular belief, well, let's, let's start by saying, let's talk about writer's block in a slightly different way. Writer's block the essence of it is that you can't get ideas to flow for your story, meaning you can't come up with solutions, you can't figure out what needs to come next, or what's going to happen in the end, or you know, any of those things, right? So it's about, we're trying to force the muse to force the ideas to come to us to figure out a logical solution for what's going to happen next in our story. And we, we just can't do it, we keep getting blocked. And sure, sometimes we come up with things, but then we go, eh, that just doesn't feel quite like what I want. And by all means, you should listen to those feelings. If it doesn't feel in alignment, if it's not, oh my gosh, that's the best idea. That's totally what I'm putting in my story. Then it's probably not supposed to go there. And I think that most of us, I, I mean, I almost applaud people that don't finish because they're blocked because it just shows that you want your story to be really good. You want it to be inspired. And if you're not feeling that inspiration, you just don't want to finish it. And I, I completely understand that. And I think that's a good thing because you're listening to your intuition about this is not, I've not stump yet stumbled on what is right for my story, right? Okay. So again, contrary to popular belief, writer's block is not about not being smart enough, not being creative enough, not being disciplined enough, okay? What it's actually about is not having the right tools to make those ideas flow and come up with the best, you know, solution, whatever it is you're working for on your story. See, you have to understand that the seat of your creativity is in your subconscious mind. It's in your subconscious brain. And if you're not using that to come up with solutions, you're always going to be hitting walls. So really what it comes down to, the, the best solution I could tell you is that um, writer's block is 
the result of a lack of surrendering to the subconscious mind in figuring out your story. And really, it's just a lack of knowing how, you know, you might be saying, okay, well, then I'll sub, I'll surrender to my subconscious mind. But how do I do that? So it's a lack of knowledge. And that's why I say this is an old wives tale, because yes, block has always been a thing. So it's based on something that we've all experienced, and it is real. But at the same time, it's not, you know, I always say the muse, the creative muse is not some mystical, awesome force that only comes to a special gifted few that we can't control. You guys, that's just nonsense, okay? We can control our own creativity. We just have to figure out how. And the people who maybe have figured this out, a lot of times they don't even know what they're doing. You know, maybe someone who's figured out if I do this, this, and this, then the creative ideas start to flow. And so they do that and they're able to tap into it and get a lot of writing done and just, you know, their stories just flow. They just figure them out. They don't even realize that that's what they're doing. They don't realize that they're tapping into their unconscious mind, their subconscious mind, they just do it. They just figure it out for themselves, you know. So it's something that you don't hear people say a lot. People just talk about the muse and getting the muse to flow and figuring out how to get the muse to come to you, but they don't tell you how to do that. So meanwhile, you're tearing your hair out, trying to figure out the solution for your story, and anything you come up with just feels subpar. And so then you end up with either a file full of unfinished manuscripts, or you do finish, but the book just feels like, you know, maybe it's good, maybe even you get some props from readers, but it just feels like there's something that could have been better, that could have been more inspired, and you just don't know what it is, okay? So if you can figure out how to surrender to the subconscious mind and get those ideas to flow, you won't have this problem anymore. You know, of course, you're always going to have to figure out what's going to happen in your story. You're, you're still going to hit bumps in the road where you have to make a decision, but it will help you to work through it, to do the work, to figure it out, and you'll never get completely stopped again. So usually I try to give you an example of how we know this is true. And this one's a little bit tricky because when subconscious processes are going on in the brain, we don't really have a way to measure that. I mean, I'm sure somebody somewhere has scientific equipment that could measure it, but in our day-to-day -day lives, it's, it's hard to, you know, prove that in some way. But let's look at something like journaling. Journaling, you, most people don't realize this, but journaling is a form of meditation. And the reason I say that is because when you meditate, when you, um, surrender to the subconscious mind, that, that's, those are all the same things, okay? What you generally do is you kind of turn off your conscious mind, you, you um, okay, so let's say you're journaling. I'll, I'll put this in a little bit better perspective here by giving you an example. You're sitting down to journal about something. You're sitting in your room, at your desk, at your, you know, wherever it is that you would sit down and journal at your kitchen table. And of course, you know where you are and you know the surroundings around you and you're very aware of everything, but it kind of takes a back seat because you stop focusing on that and you start focusing on what you're journaling about, right? It's actually the same thing as when we read a story, the same thing happens. We get lost in the experience of the story, but that doesn't mean that we've blacked out as to our surroundings or something. Of course, we still know where we are. We're still, um, you know, within the surroundings, we're still aware of everything around us, but it's taken a back seat because we've kind of turned off our conscious mind for the moment, let it sort of relax, not go to sleep or black out or anything, just relax. And then we can use the subconscious mind to get lost in the story. Okay. That's actually how we experience stories. And it's very easy. We can change between the conscious and the subconscious mind in the flicker of an instant with a thought, you know, instantaneously. And we, we have to, that's the way that our brains work. And if not, we'd be in a lot of trouble because we wouldn't always be in control of our bodies. And obviously that would not be a good thing. All right. So again, say you're journaling um, and 
you sit down, you kind of relax your brain, and then these ideas start to flow. And you start, you know, all you you just thought you were going to write a paragraph, but you end up writing pages and pages in your journal. Um, that's what happens when you surrender to the subconscious mind. Ideas start to flow. But you have to do it from the subconscious mind by relaxing the conscious mind, right? So what I can tell you is that journaling is a good example of how surrendering to the subconscious mind actually works. Because if you've ever studied anything like this, you know that people who are having a hard time doing anything are often told to journal. And most people don't want to do it. You know, they're, eh, I don't, I don't need to journal. I know what I think. No, no. <laughs> most of the time, that's not true. You, you think that you know everything, right? Because we all think we know everything. But um, as soon as people start journaling, they start seeing different results. So let's say somebody is struggling with um, weight loss and they just, no matter what they do, it's just not working. They just can't do it. As soon as they start journaling in some sense, suddenly the weight starts dropping off. Okay. And anybody who's trying to accomplish anything, build anything, learn a skill, create a good habit, get rid of a bad habit. Um, you could go the other way, say maybe people who want to gain muscle, like, like bodybuilders, um, anyone dealing with either positive or negative emotions, either creating positive emotions or working through something like grief or trauma, journaling really helps them to do that because what it does is it turns off the conscious brain, which tends to get in our way and turns on the subconscious brain. And the subconscious brain is not only the seat of your creativity, which means all creative solutions come from the subconscious brain. It's also your spiritual brain. So you tend to get to the core of things much, much more quickly when you surrender to the subconscious mind. Okay. So Back to writing then. When you try to force the muse, you're trying to force ideas for your story to come and you're using your conscious brain to do it, okay? So you're sitting here going, okay, I just need to figure out what happens next. I just need to do it. But that's your logical conscious brain. And that's why you're having such a hard time coming up with a solution. Trying to force your conscious brain to come up with a creative solution just doesn't work. Okay, you've got to understand that. Now, you might be saying, well, yeah, but I've written stories before and I, I don't know how to do this whole surrender to the subconscious thing. You're right. And you have to understand, that's actually a very important thing to understand, is that your story, even such as it is, has come from your subconscious mind, okay? When you have a light bulb moment, you probably just relaxed your brain and something came through from your subconscious and you just didn't realize it, okay? So your story, whatever you come up with, you know, think about how you came up with your story. You just started thinking about it and suddenly had a great idea. Maybe it came to you in a dream. Maybe you were um, consuming something else like a different book or a different film or something. And then you suddenly had an idea. I mean, all of that shows that you were kind of letting your subconscious brain take over and then the inspiration came. Okay, so your story, even as you have it, did come from your subconscious mind. It's just that some of it leaks through even when <laughs> you're mostly using your conscious mind. And some people do surrender to it at certain moments during the day and they're just doing it unintentionally. They don't realize they're doing it. Okay, so your story has come from your subconscious mind, even in whatever iteration it's currently in. But if you could learn to do this purposefully, intentionally, whenever you want to, you would never get blocked again because the second you, you, you have that light bulb moment, which came from your subconscious mind, and then you sit down and you try to flesh it out and make it into a full story and figure out all the events and everything, you're suddenly using your logical mind to do that. Okay. So you, you got to stop that. <laughs> we got to knock that off. All right. So, um, trying to force the solutions to come from your logical brain is trying to make that part of your brain, the, the conscious part, do something that it's literally not capable of doing. Okay. You've got to understand that. 
the seed of your creativity, as I keep saying, comes from your spiritual brain, okay? The logical brain is actually incapable of true creativity. Um, and, and again, you might be saying, well, yeah, but even outside of writing, what about when I've been at work this time and came up with a creative solution? Okay, again, I'm not saying that that doesn't happen, but your, your conscious brain can only regurgitate what it already knows. So the knowledge you have would have either come from someone else who taught it to you, um, maybe a past experience you had, or it originally came from your subconscious mind at some point, par, sorry, some point in the past, and now you just know that and you're applying it, right? So you just have to understand that, that it always comes from the subconscious mind, even if it's not obvious how or when. So we basically, in order to put writer's block to rest forever, <laughs> we need to stop trying to force our conscious brain, our logical brain to come up with solutions for our story. It's got to be the subconscious brain. Okay, because doing that is trying to force the conscious brain to do something that it is not capable of doing. So it would be like, let me give you an example again. Um, let's say that I wanted to fry some chicken. Okay. Um, and I don't have a deep fryer. So I'm just going to go old school and fry it on the stovetop as in put oil into a pan and, you know, fry it on the range top. Well, I don't have very many cooking utensils. And so about the only container I have that will hold the oil is a plastic mixing bowl. And so I decide to use that to fry my chicken. Now, most of you can probably see the disaster coming, right? It's not going to work. The bowl is going to melt for one thing on the stove and there's going to be smoke and the whole house is going to have that nasty smell of burnt plastic. And who knows, there might even be fire depending on uh, what the material is and how long I leave it on the burner. But even beyond that, you know, the oil is going to spill out when the bowl melts. We're going to have oil all over everything, which is a pain in the butt to clean up. And bottom line, the chicken is not going to get fried because <laughs> the oil is not going to be in the bowl long enough for it to get hot and get fried, right? So trying to force your conscious mind to come up with solutions for your story would be like me using a plastic bowl to fry chicken in. And then once it melts and turns into this utter disaster, it would be like me screaming my lungs out at this plastic bowl, you know, saying, why aren't you frying my chicken for me? Why can't you just figure this out? <laughs> well, you know, ridiculous examples aside, because that's not what it does. It's not made for that. If I want to have the results I'm looking for, which is great fried chicken, I need to use a tool that is made to fry that chicken. I need to use a cast iron pan that can hold the oil that isn't going to melt and that's going to fry the chicken effectively. Okay, same thing with your conscious mind. It's not that you can't come up with a story by, you know, using your conscious mind. But like I said, it's really coming from your subconscious and then you're using your conscious to fill in the holes and that makes for a clunky story. It makes it feel a little bit out of alignment and you get blocked a lot, okay? And the only reason that you're coming up with a story despite not surrendering to your subconscious mind is because you are a creative person, which means the creative flow from your subconscious comes through more for you than it does for the average person. So you're coming up with stories either way, but it's, you know, it's like trying to push a boulder uphill. You're constantly in a battle to figure out what that story is and what would be best and what would serve your characters best and your story best and what the best ending is going to be and what's going to happen in the climactic moment and why. And it, you know what I mean? It, it can be really tough to figure that out and it can be really frustrating. But if you learn to surrender to the subconscious mind, that all just goes away. I mean, it just becomes so much easier and writing becomes so much more of a joy because 
you can tap into the inspiration, the spiritual inspiration of your subconscious, and then you know exactly what story you're trying to tell. And you know exactly what needs to happen next. And if you do get stuck, you know, you'll have a process to work through it and figure it out. And you'll be like, that's what it is. There it is right there. Okay. You know, so that is why I'm so passionate about what I teach, because there are so many writers out there who have wonderful stories to tell, and they're struggling to flesh them out. They're struggling to get them written and get them out to the masses. And I want to help you tell that story, because that story, no matter what it is, there's a reason that you have a desire to tell it. It's either going to heal you or it's going to heal the people who read it. Um, even if you're just writing for entertainment purposes, make no mistake, entertainment can help heal people because it pulls them out of whatever they're dealing with in their current lives and makes them feel better. Okay, that's why you sometimes see entertainers, even comedians who will get really emotional about how much they love to entertain people because they know that it can heal people. Laughter can heal people. Um, you know, seeing a happily ever after romance can heal people, that sort of thing. So um, this is why I teach this in my program. I actually have an entire module about it that's pretty long so that you can really figure this out. And once you've figured it out, you'll never struggle with writer's block again that much, I can promise you. All right. So um, if you want to hear a little bit more about this, I do have my free training that you can sign up for right now. Uh, it's a free workshop sort of thing. It is called, um, let me find the title here. How to use secret reader triggers to write better stories, sell more books and create a sustainable fiction business. And I am going to talk about the subconscious element a little bit more in that training. But as you can probably figure out by the title, I'm also going to give you secret reader triggers <laughs> that will help with your marketing and also the kind of thing that you can put into the story as well to help with your writing. So we're going to talk about all of that, about processes for um, what readers really connect with in stories and how to really get them to buy. I mean, it's not it's not a strategy. It's not a particular um, format for a blurb. And it's not just doing CPC ads and throwing money at it. It's the psychology of really what readers are looking for and what will get them to click and buy. That's kind of what the whole training is about. So if you want to sign up for that workshop, I will put it in the show notes, but it is bit.ly forward slash secret reader triggers. And I'm going to be teaching that a couple of times a week for several weeks. So there'll be several times that you can sign up for it. All right. So um, if you haven't done that, make sure and sign up for the free training. And um, yeah, other than that, that is what I have for you this week. I hope this was helpful. I hope this gave you a new perspective on what writer's block is, and that you do not need to be a victim to it. You just got to figure out how to surrender to, the, to that subconscious mind and you won't have that problem anymore. Okay. All right. Until next time, I'm going to send you out into the world to do your fabulous writing. And I wish you much creativity, much happiness, and many, many, many royalties. Bye guys. Thanks so much for listening today. Before you go, would you be willing to do me a solid? If you found any value at all in this episode today, would you be willing to share it with other authors just like you in the hopes that they might find some value in it as well? Happy story crafting this week. Remember, only you can bring the world the unique story that you are trying to tell. Only you can succeed in your own unique way in getting it out of your mind and your heart and into a medium where it can reach thousands if not millions of salivating readers. You don't have to worry about failure because there is always a market for awesome.